Now, over the course of this year, I think it's been fair to say we found ourselves in somewhat a, uh, a chaotic and unplanned world. Um, a lot has been turned upside down um, and we've all had to adapt as businesses, yes, but as individuals too. So talking openly and honestly about how we're feeling, uh, focusing on our own and our team's well-being is super, super important always, um, but more so right now. Um, and someone who's at the forefront of championing mental health, particularly in the workplace, is James Routledge, founder and CEO of Sanctus, and our guest for today's show. So good morning, James. Welcome. And thanks very much for joining us. How's it all going? Morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. Absolute pleasure to have you. Um, for those listening um, in that might not know you, um, can you tell us a bit about your story and kind of what led you to, to founding Sanctus? Yeah, um, I'll try not to speak for the full half an hour and, and keep it <laughs> keep it keep it short. But um, yeah, sort of dived into the world of startups and entrepreneurship uh, back when I was about twenty one. So during university, so uh, second year of university, ended up starting a business with um, with my friend from university, George, and kind of just jumped into the world of startups mainly because. Cause I was bored to be honest. I was bored with university, didn't really know what I wanted to do, and yeah, was looking for that kind of golden ticket something that was gonna give me this feeling of success and happiness and mm -hmm. self worth. And I thought the startup industry looked like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, really, you know, working on what you want, when you want, with who you want. I kind of mm -hmm. felt like the dream, and Build business for the course of, of three and a half years, or or more, should I say, tried to build a business really, raise raise some venture capital, raise some money, and kind of in the process of doing that, and um, that dream turned to a bit of a nightmare, and um, yeah, just kind of re I really lost sight of myself and what I wanted and who I am. I didn't really know any answers to any of that, any of those questions. The business never really had a purpose or was never solving a problem, mm. and I just put I just put my life to one side and just went all in on this business and it really impacted my mental health, my relationships, my well being and ended up shutting the business down and, and sort of consequently like dealing with the failure of that and the emotional mm. impact of that. And in the wake of that really started to struggle with my mental health for the first time properly, to be honest, or the first time that I was aware of anyway. Yeah. Um had a had a sort of 12-month period of feeling really deeply anxious, panic attacks, you know, debilitating anxiety, and then began sharing that experience and talking about it more openly and honestly, um, and writing blog posts and, and doing talks and stuff like that. And, and really, Sanctus was born out of that, um, that story and that movement, to be honest, of kind of me saying, look, this is me, this is my story. Let's yeah. talk about mental health more. We all have mental health. Why aren't we working on our mental health like our physical health? Um, you know, it's it's not just um, mental health isn't just anxiety, depression, suicide, and that's one big part of the mental health continuum. Yet also, as I went on that journey myself, I also saw well, I'm becoming more empathetic, I'm becoming more confident, I'm becoming, I feel like I can be more authentic and can be myself more. I was like, yeah, it's great. You know, why aren't we talking about this as part of mental health too, just like we do with our physical health and fitness? And and yeah, and that was about three. That was that was four years ago now. And since then, I've been building building Sanctus and building the brand and and uh, yeah, on that same mission every day, really. 
Awesome. And I think I like the, you mentioned the previous business you felt didn't have purpose. Um, and I like the way that quite, uh, I hate that this term, but organically, naturally, um, your own personal experiences sort of led to the, the formation of Sanctus. Um, can you tell us a bit about the, the sort of mission and vision of Sanctus and what you're, you're trying to achieve? Yeah, the, so the mission's to inspire people to work on their mental health like they do their physical health. So, you know, we've got this very reactive approach to our mental health, really, mm-hmm. in, in Western society, at least anyway, where we just wait, <laughs> just wait until we're either burnt out, depressed, or wait until we're really ill in some mm-hmm. cases. Um, and yeah, I, re- I think we really want to change that perception and that approach to mental health and change our sort of cultural attitudes towards mental health. And then tied into that, um, we've got this big vision to put the world's first mental health gym on the high street. So we see a world where, you know, mental health is completely part of our day-to-day lives. Mm. It's normalized. It's, yeah, it's it's a standard part of how we live our lives, just like maybe going to the gym is or going on a run or eating avocados or a protein shake might be, right? Um, and we see the same for mental health. And that's kind of encapsulated in this this vision one day for, um, spaces on the high street where we can go connect maybe have a coaching session therapy groups meditate journal whatever that might be and here's a question for you slightly off the, the beaten track but do you think there's a generational um, perception of mental health and this is born from a conversation uh, I was having with my my parents and grandparents and I could see there are very different views and dismissive in some case um, which I thought was quite interesting I think the world's changed so much in the last mm. sort of 30, 40 years. I mean, I, I know definitely when I first started to open up about my mental health and, and, and sort, of, sort of talk about it, I definitely, I was looking for a certain kind of connection I wanted, maybe with my mom or my family members or mm. my dad who are a bit older. And, um, you yeah, know, I had a few honest conversations with them and just, yeah, it come from a different world, really, mm. you know. Um, yeah, and, and so I definitely, yes i think is the answer and i think the world has just changed loads i think at the end of the day and in this generation now um i take for granted that um you know i'll have a roof over my head i'm gonna get a job and if anything i'm actually like well which job do i want right Mm. i'm not i'm not thinking oh will i be lucky enough to get one i'll be like no they'll be lucky enough to have me and that is that's a very millennial um approach to, to to purpose and to your life mm. so I, I think just naturally as our quality of life in the western world has uh has increased and that maslow's hierarchy is getting a bit more solid mm. we're, we're able and we're fortunate enough because of what our ancestors essentially have done to ask ourselves those bigger questions of existential questions who am i you know what's my purpose what's life all about and and that's that's made us question how we are being in the world and it's made us question our mental health and we're able to be more open about our mental health like mm. you know 50 years ago if you went into the factory and said like i'm really sad today you you'd get absolutely nothing you would be judged and you might lose mm. your job and there's a massive risk to doing that and there's still a big risk to doing that today yet we're moving into a world where people people are more able to to accept that, to hear it. And, and we can all be more open and authentic about what mm. we're actually feeling, where we've come out of a way of being where, especially in the workplace, right, it's leave your feelings at the door, you know, put your suit on, leave them at the door, 
come to work and work and you know leave your personal life at home and and that separation and that that blend is is changing a lot so the world's changed a lot and i think we're fortunate fortunate enough now in in 2020 um to, to be able to talk about our mental health more cool thank you very much um so over the years you've had to um naturally kind of build up your own team at sanctus due to success i think you're almost 60 people now right um so it'd be really cool to understand your approach when it comes to scaling um sanctus yeah so we've got um so we've kind of got two sides so we've got our hq team which are our full-time mm. full-time team um and then we've got our coaches who deliver sanctus coaching in the workplace so our and our main product at the moment is we'll um we'll make a sanctus coach accessible and available the employees of a business that we partner with and then that's a safe space for people to go and talk to someone about their mental health so we talk about them as like the personal trainers uh in the gym so we, we'll place we'll place sanctus uh, mental health coaches in the workplace um yeah for people to work on their mental health wherever they are on that journey basically even if you're just curious all the way to if you're struggling with something you've got some kind of day-to-day anxiety um so the main place that we scaled and grew quite quickly was in that co- was in that coaching team. Um, you know, back in sort of 2018, 2017, and 2017, we had five coaches, mm. and then um, that that's grown over the last couple of years. Uh, well, it grew, grew in one year actually from five to thirty. Wow. Um, yeah, which I mean, by some you know venture capital backed businesses standards, that's that's nothing. Um, to us, that was pretty that was pretty intense. Uh, especially because we've got such high standards around the quality of those practitioners, basically. Uh, I mean, they are, I mean, I suppose every, everyone's employees are their product in a way, yet for us, they, they quite literally are our products. Mm. So for us, like maintaining and assuring um, a certain set of quality standards in both our recruitment and then also um the ongoing support onboarding of those coaches was was um was and still is like completely critical to to the quality of our brand and 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 the coaching that people get so that that's been a real that's been and still is a real challenge for us um i think the biggest thing about scaling for us and this doesn't just come back to recruitment this is just about the whole business is like we are you know we're a brand that is about um bringing your whole self to work um you know being able to express yourself being able to um you know talk about how you feel talk about Mm. your mental health so you know we we really try to practice what we preach right and to live and breathe and embody our brand so for us to scale extremely quickly and start hiring a load of coaches that aren't well qualified or aren't well looked after our coaches and employees would be would be a real great irony, wouldn't it? And it'd be a, it'd be a real great shame, right? So um, we've been very conscious about how we have how we've grown the business. Um, we've probably grown slower than I think we could have, actually, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, to maintain quality, both in the coaches, in particular that we recruit, and also in how we build the business, um, so that we don't <laughs> burn ourselves out, basically. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a constant tension for us of wanting to scale our impact and do more, yet also wanting to maintain the safety really in our business. I can totally relate um, as seen as an organisation <clears throat> as well, where the people 
and the kind of processes and practices behind them determine the success of the organization. And yeah, you know, it's something that's very, very easy to break. Um, yeah. and I understand that that caution <laughs> too well. I'm sure there's lots of you know money and opportunity left on the table, but I think we're probably on the same page that scale isn't necessarily about a headline number or a number of staff, right? It's about maintaining and improving on what got you here to, to, to today, yeah. basically. I mean, it it can go both ways, in fairness. I think we've probably, I mean, the grass is always greener, right? We've, we've not raised millions of pounds in investment. We've not gone down that venture path. So, you know, but there have been times when we wish we'd have had more resource and actually that's been stressful. So mm-hmm. being under-resourced has been stressful, whereas you see a lot of startups going on that that unicorn path where, you know, having hiring 400 people in two months is stressful because someone who was started three months ago is now managing someone who's just joined. It's like, you know, so the grass is always greener. But, um, yeah, I think for us, we decided to go down the kind of, it's not even slow, to be honest. It's just the more sustainable path for us. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, I mean, you, you clearly accumulated a ton of learnings. Um, from the Sanctus journey, the the organisation beforehand, and you've worked as a a partner at a, a venture capital organisation as well. Um, what would you say is one piece of advice that you would give to other founders when it comes to building teams in early stage organisations? And is there anything um, that you think gets particularly overlooked? I think a lot of the advice is well documented and it, 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 it stands the test of time and it and it's there for a reason, you know, the highest low fire fast, like it's it's been said, you know, it's been said like three billion times in different <laughs> medium posts by like, you know, VCs or Silicon Valley founders and it's there for a reason because it's it's true. I mean, we definitely made the case we definitely have made the mistake of probably keeping people around for too long um, when it wasn't quite right and, and not mm-hmm. not feeling confident enough to have those difficult conversations sooner. Um so that that's like that's definitely one. Um I think we made that we've made um you know we hired a lot on gut in the in the in the first instance those first ten employee hires are just all gut. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can kid you you can kid yourself that you're doing some like decent recruitment process, but to be honest, it's just like it's values, it's fit it's just complete gut um and i think as a result of that actually we're we're hurting on a diversity front as a result of that um because you know we didn't bed any sort of outreach or any sort of assessment truly of like how how inclusive and diverse are we being from the start we we basically hired people who looked and sounded like the two founders if i'm honest with you mm-hmm. um and i regret that a little bit at the same time I can see why we did it because we were trying to protect it and we're trying to keep it keep it solid and keep it tight knit at the start. Yeah. Um, no, I think the only thing I would say, and I, I don't, I don't really like giving advice. I think, I mean, I think the, I think no, no, I don't think anyone. I don't know. It's just enough. There's so much that tells you what to do. It's like I don't think people need more advice to be honest. But I, I thought I'd maybe use this as a chance to just say something. I just, I just think too many people are just obsessed with this like one path of like raise gazillions of pounds and like grow really quickly and that mm-hmm. that is one way to build a business that has been very uh, glorified in the last 10 years uh, and actually it's the venture capital firms who are driving that narrative they're the ones that want 
you as a founder to start a business like that because they know that the returns that they make from those kind of businesses are um you know completely um insane essentially mm-hmm. so so it's the, it's the vcs that are looking for founders to go on that path actually i think i actually don't think there are that many founders that truly want to go on that path i actually think it's like it's literally like less than 10 percent of founders probably actually if you ask most founders what they want they'd say i want to do something i love i want to do it with people i care about i want it to be fun i want to you know i want to do something impactful in the world i want to make enough money to like have a good life you know i don't i actually yeah i just think we're just so obsessed with this one route to success and that's very symptomatic of society in general and you just don't have to build a business that way like you literally don't like raising venture capital is just one route um you know you can you can bootstrap you can crowdfund you can you can raise money from angels um you can just make money like you know just good old-fashioned make more money each month than you spend like there are a million and one different ways to, to cut it and build a business and and you know you can do a you can be on that with that same business for 10 20 years mm-hmm. you know the horizon i set for myself with sanctus is like 50 years long I'm just like I want to do this for the rest of my life. So, and that that is a that is an that is an option for me. So, mm-hmm. or I hope it will be anyway. So yeah, I just I just think like I just think we've just been sold this one way to build a business, and there are so many so many different ways. And uh, yeah, I just love more founders to really ask themselves and inquire like what what do I actually want? Um, mm. Spend a bit more time doing that inquiry and, and see where it takes them with with the path that they end up taking their their, their startup on. Cool. I think that's. That topic is probably very relatable to me um, as I went through the same journey myself and that thought process is also challenged at different times in the in the organization. Like you say, oh, we could launch over there if we had this or, oh, an offer of yeah. acquisition, but what does this mean for my ambition of freedom? You know, you, you have to constantly, you know, reconcile that with yourself. So super, super valuable advice. Um, so let's talk more with you about mental health in the workplace. Um, According to EU startups, only a small fraction of startups and SMEs are actually worrying about mental health of their employees or have a dedicated focus, initiative, anything, Um, which I'm sure you'll agree is sort of slightly concerning. From your experience, um, why is it so important to care for your employees' mental well-being, um, particularly in a stage organization? Um, and why should business leaders make this a priority, I guess, from the beginning and, and as they scale? Yeah, I think for, for, for any business, you know, having having a mental health offering on the agenda now is, I personally believe over the next five years, it's going to become pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most most employee benefits seem to seem to start to, to mirror each other at, at some point. You know, one competitor sees another competitor doing something else and they want to match it. I think it's it's going to get that way, and that's been driven from the ground up, right? That's been driven from the candidates, basically, and the future employees who want to work in an environment where they feel like they can express themselves and they feel like they can bring a big part of their emotional self to mm. work. So I think um, from a first standpoint, if you just went purely commercial on this, you're looking at like candidate attraction, employer brand, employee retention, you know? You create an environment where people can bring their 
all of themselves to work from their sadness to their anger to their joy and they really feel like they can express themselves they're going to stick around and they're going to do their best work um i mean secondly it's the right thing to do work is stressful especially mm. in a startup environment so i personally think an employee an employer from a human level has a duty of care to kind of provide spaces for their staff to unwind to then to reflect and to process what's going on especially on the startup journey mm. um and then just some yeah again like absenteeism presenteeism you know you start to support people's mental health you're going to reduce potential sick days that are either physical sick days because of poor mental health or you know vice versa um, and you're going to create a culture of trust really where people feel more able to express themselves to challenge to be different and that's just great for diversity it's great for business it's great for performance so i think there are there are loads of different actual commercial reasons that you know where bringing mental health services into businesses you've got a return on investment um on the startup journey i mean you know it's just wild it's just a wild ride like you know you're making stuff up you're doing stuff for the first time everyone's got three jobs everyone's like doing something that's never been done before there's yeah. financial uncertainty there's not much security you know there's, there's just loads of uh there's loads of challenges in the environment that just literally make it like naturally difficult for people's mental health right um, yeah. and obviously certain people thrive in a startup environment and they're the people that end up chasing that because they, they kind of get a kick out of it and they love it yeah I just it just makes so much sense for me you know we we we've got a sanctus coach we've you know we've got a culture where people can talk about their mental health at work obviously which makes loads of business sense like it's hard you know people are more likely to to stick around they're more likely to not burn out they're more likely to be able to receive and give feedback and they're more likely to be able to challenge decisions and you want all of that in the early stages of stuff you need it so um to kind of train people's confidence in doing that it just makes loads of sense for me so yeah i think um a lot of startups um have, do have a real impact on people's mental health from the founders all the way to the early employees and Obviously, money can be tight and budgets can be tight, but I just think it makes a lot of sense to invest in your people's mental health right from the start because you embed it into the DNA of the organization and then you'll save yourself money in the long run, basically. Um, mm. I'm not surprised to hear a lot of startups don't think it's a problem because um, I think either they won't know because it's small teams without a people function. So how would like, they probably just don't know or they've mm. just got bigger fish to fry like they've got bigger problems it's like no one's buying the products we're losing money we well, our runway's running out so there's there's probably bigger problems there um so i'm not surprised to hear that people don't think it's a problem i think you know i imagine it's a load of founders answering that survey and i think if you ask staff employees you might hear something a bit different mm. and that's, that's some really interesting points there and clearly very measurable um return on you know investment as mental health as a focus of the organization um, which I'm sure many of the the CFOs out there and people holding the purse strings will will perhaps not have believed before. Um, but it is, you know, I completely agree that you can track and you can measure um, some real real benefits. Um, what kind of tips, apart from obviously um, engaging with your organisation, but 
what t- practical tips would you give to an early stage organization to, I guess, embed or have um, mental health and awareness of this topic in an organization from early? I mean, the great thing about doing uh, being a startup is like you've got such a small team. You can get everyone in a room and just sort of have a chat, can't you? You know, it's, that's that's the beauty of it. Even when you're up to sort of 50, 60 people, right? You just get mm. everyone in one place, have on all hands, and you can know everyone. You can, you know, you've got that family feel. So I think that in the early days, I think obviously there's got to be a genuine interest in the topic, right? Mm-hmm. You can't fake that. Even <clears> if that genuine interest is you know, it could be because a lot of people haven't um, gone there themselves. They they don't. You know, for a lot of people, it's like I don't know much about my mental health. Right? That's the standard for most of us, and that's absolutely mm. fine. So even if that that genuine first step could be could be from a founder or a leader in the business or an early employee, just just bringing it to the table and just saying, look, mental health is something I'm starting to get interested in for these reasons, and just starting to have an authentic conversation and dialogue about it and I think you can do that in the early stages of a startup and just kind of open up the conversation a little bit and that can feel a bit scary because mm-hmm. you don't you kind of think oh god where's it going to go it's going to be a therapy session da, 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 da. it's often not actually um and I think you know you can just start to sort of seed the conversations in and, and you, you do sort of in each company you kind of can create this like mini mini movement in a way mm-hmm. where just culturally it becomes a bit more normal um, and and if you're a bit more established, you know, you can do things that are a little bit more practical around that. You know, a lot of companies start with lunch and learns or they bring in speakers. They bring in someone to tell their mental health story. They maybe have an employee in the business who's passionate about mental health who tells their story. You know, mm-hmm. you can um, you can bring in someone third party. You can bring in scientists. You can bring in a load of other coaches or therapists. And there's millions of people that will come in. They'll do a talk or they'll do a workshop for you. Um, a lot of companies do mental health first aid training. You know, there's loads of different ways you can just start to embed that conversation. But I mean, the most effective way is to start right from the top. And if the founders themselves are interested in their own mental health and they feel able to sort of talk about that with their employees, or even better, they they feel able and confident enough to to to, to share when maybe they're struggling or when they're feeling a certain way with their mental health. That, that will fundamentally shape the culture. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, the, the behavior of the founders shapes the culture, you know, full stop. And it does, and the behavior of the leadership in bigger organizations shapes the culture. So if the founders and leadership in startups can role model behavior where they're open about their mental health, they're talking about it, they care about it, it will just naturally seep through the organization. And then um, in terms of, what the end result looks like for each business in terms of like their strategy or what offerings they have, that will just that will just naturally organically come. You know, some businesses wanna they want to partner with scientists, they want a really premium mental health offering, they want to coach on site every day. Others, they don't want that. They want something different and they're gonna go mm-hmm. from that. And that's brilliant. That's 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 how that's how we want the mental health market to develop. Cool. And I had a question as to kind of whose responsibility is mental health in the organization. I think you've covered that off really well there you know role model by founding team leadership advocacy you know from inside the teams um and yeah internal external kind of um you know support and influence so what advice would you give to somebody who is perhaps inside an organization apart from perhaps leave it but 
inside an organization where they don't feel like their mental health is a consideration from the employer and you know they, they might love the company for every other reason yeah what practical advice would you give to those individuals to kind of almost self-serve on the topic if it's not facilitated on a formal yeah. way by the organization yeah. I, yeah and i think to just follow on from what you just said I, I do genuinely believe anyone can be a mental health advocate at work right anyone can bring it in and start that conversation and kind of start that like like i said that cultural movement mm-hmm. and we've seen this we've seen this in massive businesses right like we work with just eat and they've got a really comprehensive mental health offering that was kick-started by um you know, by someone who, who works in HR. She's, she's not on the leadership team. She's not a HR director. She's just a really sort of passionate change maker. And she pretty much kickstarted just each entire mental health offering. So I think what it's like, having said that, it's more difficult if you're not a leader, right? Yeah. You don't have much power in the organization. There's probably a fear of being judged, a fear of maybe, you know, not getting that next promotion or being seen as a bit of a, you know, a bit of a drain or someone's always asking for more, all these stories that we might tell ourselves. Um, I mean, simply, the, the only, there's, I think there's two ways to do it. Um, I think if you're, yeah, you're not in that sort of leadership or management level, I think you've got two options. I think one is just genuinely bring your interest and your passion for mental health into the organisation, whether you're sharing content on Slack or your internal comms, whether you're talking to people about it down the pub, whether you're just naturally saying, you know, I did yoga this morning, I did meditation this morning, I've got a therapy session tonight, just mm. naturally bring it in and just try, you know, take some risks in how much you share about yourself. And then obviously if it's a little bit more um, on that level of like you're struggling with something, which definitely happens very regularly, that's a more difficult conversation. And I think it has to be brought up with your manager where, mm. you know, where you name it and you say, look, I don't feel like I can bring this here. You know, it's a very hard thing to do and um, to kind of upwardly manage essentially. Mm. But I think if you're, if you love the company for every other reason, you want to stay there. Most loads, think how many people leave their company because their mental health. Mm. Loads of people leave because they feel like they can't show up. They can't be real. So actually they just do one. They just leave. They're just like, I'm off. You know, they don't say why. They maybe give some exit interview and say some other reasons, but they don't say why. They don't. Really, they leave because they couldn't, you know, they've been depressed for the last six months. That's actually what happens loads. So, you know, it's difficult to do. If you really love your company and you love the product, the culture, everything else and the people, and Mm. you want to stay there, but your mental health is being affected in some way, I think it's tough. But, you know, you've got to say it at the end of the day. Um, and if it's not accepted, I think you win on two ways. Because if it's not accepted and it's not listened to, probably just made your decision for you, you're off. Mm-hmm. If it is listened to, one, that's going to be great, great for you because you're going to be heard and you're going to be listened to and your manager maybe or your team will make some accommodations or change things. And then secondly, you've just given a gift to everyone else in the company because you've started that conversation. So it's difficult to do if you're not in a leadership position, but it can mm-hmm. definitely be done. Cool. I love that. James, we've run out of time. I'm getting messages saying <laughs> wrap up, wrap up, wrap up. But this has been a hugely insightful conversation, James, today. And I guess a real, what I like about these conversations is that we're talking about this from a topic perspective, but there's some real practical advice in here, both for you know organizational leaders and individuals. So thank you very much for, for sharing that. And I think 
there are a few things that will really kind of stick with me um, from a personal perspective and a role modeling perspective inside our organization. So thank you very much for that. Um, we will um, firstly um, be sure to check out Sanctus, um, especially, especially the recently launched um, journaling community. Um, and James, are there any other ways that you would recommend that people can contact you or your organization before I jump into what's happening next next week? We're, we're definitely most active on, on LinkedIn. So yeah, please, please give us a follow on, on LinkedIn. Um, Sanctus on LinkedIn and then um, myself and a, and a few other of our team are, are quite active in sharing our own personal uh, approaches and, and stories around mental health as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.